for anticipation, a desire of more of the Holy Spirit to be filled by Him. Where you are, just pray. And pray that today God will speak through the testimony of Sharon's, God will speak through the video to you. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, there's so much about you that you have yet to discover, yet to know. And there's so much of you you want to reveal yourself, you want to empower us, and we yield ourselves to you today. This afternoon, to hear your word, to hear your preaching, to hear the testimony of your servant, that God, our hearts will be inspired, our hearts will be, uh, will be open, will be surrendered to you so that you can come and fill us. And I pray that you will come direct this whole afternoon to you. We thank you. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I just want to add on the healing prayer service that the leadership has uh, studied this, uh, I think, more than a year. Uh, we went through the scriptures. We went through certain books. And, and we know that this is the right thing to do. That as we preach the gospel, we must also be healing the sick. The three verses that we read earlier was Jesus telling the 12 disciples, the kingdom of God is near, preach the gospel, heal the, heal the sick. And then to that mission trip where he sent 72 out, he said the same thing. In James chapter 5, he said the same thing. So we know it's the right thing to do. But even as we discussed among the leadership, we felt like there is so much that we don't know and there are differing views and opinions about about things, but we know it's the right thing to do. So let's get going, right? So most important is that we pray and that we are united as a church, knowing that it's the right thing to do, and then uh, we, we will just exercise this journey of faith as we go forward and see how the Lord will use this church here as, uh, in PPH for the healing of body, soul, uh, and spirit. Now, of all the churches in Singapore, I think PPH is one of those few where we have a high percentage of medical professionals doctors and, and nurses. And I want to say, let's not rubbish our medical professionals, even as we pray for divine healing. Okay, We don't say that, oh, whatever the doctor says, I reject and it's rubbish. And by the way, the Lord healed me. Not like that. Not like that. What it should be like is, every Christian pray. Every Christian pray for healing. Every doctor treat sicknesses. And God is the only one who heals, right? So Christians pray, doctors and nurses treat, but God heals. And let's carry that with us as we enter uh, this healing presence. Okay, let me now just uh, um, introduce this, this next uh, uh, topic by saying this. You know, once I went to preach in a church, uh, obviously I was invited there. I think it was around 2003 or 2005 thereabouts. And that church has never invited me back since. Okay? In fact, when I finished preaching the sermon, a deacon stood up, came to the pulpit, and he said, No. You have the Holy Spirit in you the moment you were converted. And you are always filled with the Spirit. There is no need to ask for, for filling anymore. I prepared my sermon, I preached the best I could, and then it's like everything has been wiped out and never invited back since. 
Now, what did I say to elicit such a correction from a deacon of the church? The memory is quite vague, but I do remember that I quoted D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody is a famous, the Billy Graham of his days, um, a famous evangelist from America. And, and D.L. Moody was asked why he had to be filled with the Spirit so often. And his reply was, because I leak. And so I used this, this quotation. But I do concede now, after many years of praying for inner healing, <laughs> that yes, what I said and what I quoted was, was very imprecise language. Maybe the way I said it was, was kind of too flippant uh, also. But I do want to ask you, it's like, are you filled with the Spirit? And as I think about it now, maybe I shouldn't have quoted it. I should have uh, just expanded a lot and explained why it was that D.L. Moody said such a thing. But I think the smartest thing to do is simply to quote Scripture, right? You will never go wrong. And no deacon or elder will ever come up <laughs> from, from the benches and then come and correct you and, and wipe you out, uh, as it were. And the Scripture is Ephesians 5, 18. Be filled with the Spirit. The Word of God says, be filled with the Spirit. Why did the Word of God say so? If all of us were filled with the Spirit all the time, then, then what's the point of this, of this verse? If I'm already filled with the Spirit, why this verse? So let's ponder that as we watch the video later on. But now, I'm so glad to be able to invite um, Sharon to come and share with us uh, one experience that she had that I think will encourage our hearts. Hey, good, good afternoon. It's uh, noon now. All right, what I'm about to share with you actually took place sometime in 2001. Uh, I resigned from my teaching profession because my contract with the Singapore government, Ministry of Education, was up. So I asked God, okay, my contract, I'm free to now end my contract. What, do you have anything for me? And... Um, well, this is not the story that I'm going to tell because this will be another story. But essentially, I sought God and through various events, the Lord led me to resign, not quite knowing what to do. And so what uh, happened after resignation was I spent about three months in school of ministry in Tungling Bible School, which some of you may be quite familiar with Tungling. Huh? So during those three months, it was mountaintop experience. Every day you go into the presence of God, you sing, you worship, you you read the Word of God and you listen to uh, the voice of the Lord. You learn to know what it means to listen, what it means to know how He speaks through His Holy Spirit. And um, after this experience, um, I asked God, what's next? And He led me to then take the next step to serve um, in the church where I previously had grown up with um, in Marine Parade. So I stepped out to, do, uh, to, to give my time fully to do Christian work, Christian, I mean ministry work. So I was not part of this family yet at that time. Um, anyway, I was just a few months into Christian, um, into full-time ministry. And one Friday evening, I was going out for dinner with uh, my young adults, your age lah at that time lah. Huh? So <laughs> we went out for dinner at Raffles Place and I was really tired, end of the week happy. I took my document case and uh, very unthinking, I left my document case just outside a fast food outlet. I went in, grabbed a drink, came out, gone. My bag was gone. So I was shocked. I was 
horrified. I was desperate because no money, no passport, no nothing. But important documents that were very important to me, very confidential documents that I could not afford to lose. And if it was any miracle that I needed, I needed this one badly. I don't know whether you've been in a situation like that where you lost something and you really panicked and you wish you go on your knees for the dear life and pray that God would give you an immediate miracle. So that was what happened. My friends came, they saw me, the horrified look on my face. We prayed, we ransacked whatever we could find in Raffles Place, dustbins, whatever, nothing. Couldn't find anything. So I went home after dinner, uh, very downhearted, very troubled. Um, yeah, didn't tell my parents anything. I went up to my room and I prayed. I went on my knees and I was really desperate. I said, God, what am I going to do? You know, these are important things that concerns not only me, but other people as well. I cannot afford to lose this. And when I was troubled in my spirit, the Lord led me to Luke chapter 18, a parable that some of us, are, most of us are quite familiar with, the parable of the persistent widow, where you knock and knock and knock. But the, what the verse that came to me was in verse um, 8, where it says, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And three things just spoke to me, that God would give me the justice that I needed quickly. That was very comforting. I don't know how quick was quick, but okay, that's good to know. And faith, that I needed to rest my faith in my God, who is now in, in His hands. I don't know where this person is. I don't know where He took my back to. It's really beyond my control. So I, all I could do is just pray and wait. So I went to sleep. And I'm the kind that when I sleep, uh, nothing wakes me quite that easily. So, but I remembered I had a dream. I dreamt and I just woke up and the phone rang. And I was in a state of shock because it was 4 a.m. in the morning. And I don't know how you would feel losing something and then the next day you receive a phone call at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I was... I, quickly pick up the phone. I didn't want it to disturb my family members. And this voice on the other line said, oh, did you lose something? I was like, huh? You know, and he described all the things in, in the bag and I knew it was my bag, all the, the stuff. He tried to explain, describe, and it was my bag, I knew. So I said, who is this person? Four o'clock in the morning, this is, oh my goodness. And, and he said, okay, uh, if, if you don't want this, I'm gonna throw this away. I said, no, 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 I, I need this bag. And he said, okay, uh, he gave me his number, arranged, asked me to call him to arrange for a time to pick up the bag and to meet him the, the following the day, which was earlier in the day, Saturday, uh, later. So I put down the phone, took down his number, put down the phone, and I didn't know what to do. I was scared. Who is this person? He has my number. What else does he know? You know? So I had a thrill of thoughts going through my mind. And... Um, and in, in those struggles, after I put down the phone, I was trying to collect my thoughts. I was freaking out. And then I, I told myself, I said, why, why didn't I tell this person to, to take the bag and go to the police station? Safe place to be, you know? So I said, yeah, maybe I should just call him, tell him to return it to whatever neighborhood post that he could find. Maybe it's not open at 4 o'clock in the morning, I don't know. But whatever it is, there was all these thoughts raising through my mind and I felt suddenly this voice, that impression that spoke also and said, you prayed for an answer. God gave you an answer five hours later, pretty quick. Why are you sending this man to the police station? 
you learn in Bible school that when God answers, you know, He has a purpose and He gets all the glory. So I said, what am I supposed to do then? Just bring a few friends, uh, meet Him in a public place, safe, public place where everybody can see you, and just get it back from Him, thank Him for being an answered prayer, and share the gospel with Him. I was like, nah, cannot be, you know. <laughs> this is too spiritual. This is like, ah, uh, okay, no. Um, but I struggled, and finally I decided that this was what the Lord wanted me to do. And I found a spare Bible. I sort of like looked for a spare Bible that I could spare in my home. I wrote a note, a thank you note. And then, but I still couldn't go back to bed. So, you know, and about close to 7 a.m. in the morning, a friend of mine called me and said, uh, hey, you know, let's go for breakfast. And those who know me, my friends, they know that I'm not an early person and they will not call me at 7 o'clock in the morning for breakfast. But, but, you know, God in His divine arrangement, you know, prompted this friend of mine to call me. And he says, you know, are you okay? And then we had breakfast together, we talked a bit, and then we gathered a few of our young adult friends, and it was funny, it was like a stick-out, you know. <laughs> we went, and then it's like, I don't know who this person was going to be, it's really funny. But, um, yeah, so I met this, this uh, man who picked up my bag, and he explained to me, then that uh, he was a Bangladeshi foreign worker, a cleaner who started his cleaning shift at that time of the day. And he found, we were in Chinatown, so my bag literally traveled one station from Raffles Place to Chinatown. And he found this bag that was uh, with things all thrown all over. And he picked it up, he put everything back, and then he found a, a, a telephone bill, which was essentially had my house number on it. That's why he called me at that time of the day. So actually, it was, he was just doing his job. He was being nice. And here I was thinking of all kinds of things, you know. And um, so I thanked him. I said, thank you for answering my prayer. I mean, that God used you to answer my, my prayer and my need. And then uh, I gave him the Bible. And then he says, oh, uh, yeah, I believe in God too. Uh, I just came from the mosque. I'm a Muslim. I was like, uh-oh. What next, huh? <laughs> so I said, like, how to share the gospel with a Muslim? I don't know, no? never tried. And uh, I said, uh, okay, God loves you. Thank you very much. So he was happy that he did a good deed. I was happy that I got everything back. And, uh, and yeah, so the next few days was still, I was still, you know, troubled that somebody that I do not know has my number, has my address. I don't know what else that he knows about me and, and things like that. So... Um, but anyway, the Lord gave me peace uh, to know that He is good, He is in control, He protects, and uh, He would not allow anything that is beyond Him to happen to me. So um, I didn't change my locks, I didn't change anything. So, but anyway, this was one incident that God used to turn my attention to a group of people that He is also seeking. And this was one of a series of incidents. There were many other incidents following this incident that happened, actually that God began to speak to me and used to confirm the call and the burden to actually serve Him overseas among a special group of people that He loves. So that happened in 2001, so that's my story. So to God be the glory. It was the summer of 1977, and on a street in Brooklyn, just like this, a young woman by the name of Stacy Moskowitz was the last victim of the serial killer called Son of Sam. 
His real name was David Berkowitz, and he terrorized all of New York City. All five boroughs of New York City lived in fear because of a madman who taunted the police, wrote to the newspapers, and said that he was controlled by Satan through a dog. That's why he was called Son of Sam. David Berkowitz began his career by joining a satanic cult. He learned in that cult to study not only the satanic Bible, but to worship with other believers, and more importantly, to open his heart and surrender and put his trust in a higher power, in this case, the powers of darkness. He started more than a thousand fires in New York City, wrecking mayhem wherever he went, journaled them very carefully. Then he began his killing spree, something very, very horrible, where possibly more than six people lost their lives. When David later became a Christian in the prison where he now is going to spend the rest of his life, he grew so quickly in the things of God because he had learned the secret back in those dark, terrible days of yielding and surrendering to a higher power. And now he yields to the Holy Spirit, puts his trust in God, and is a great blessing in the prison in reaching others with the good news of Jesus Christ. David now has gone from the powers of darkness to being someone under the control of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I think of a person who does unusual things, I think of a young man who showed up in our church under the oddest circumstances, like, in fact, I ask people, what is that guy doing here? He lives up in West Point, and he's visiting our church and working here for nothing. But it was all part of God's plan to take a humble, open young man named Todd Cruz, fill him with his spirit, and use him to influence people for the glory of Christ. I grew up in a small town in Indiana. It was one of those towns where not much goes on, one of those towns where everybody doesn't really like it that much and they kind of want to leave, but nobody ever leaves. You kind of born there, grew up there, and died there. And it was when I was 18 years old, a senior in high school, where I really started to get serious about my faith. And that was a moment when I gave my heart over to the Lord. That's when I decided that I wanted to live for God in such a way that I never had before. About three months away from graduating high school, I said, maybe I shouldn't just do what everybody else is doing, and I should really start thinking about other options. And that's when I decided to explore the possibility of going to a Christian college, even though I had no idea what that was about. We've talked about the symbols of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is water, symbolized by water, fire, etc. What's the phrase mean to be filled with the Spirit? That's mentioned many times in the New Testament. In fact, it's a command, as we'll see later, found in the book of Ephesians. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. If we go back to Acts chapter 2, when the church was born, we found out that all the disciples there, 120 or so, gathered, gathered in that upper room, men and women, they were baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and the church was born. Then we learn later on that when the gospel went to the Gentiles, 
uh, Peter was led to Cornelius' house in Acts 10. He was a Roman centurion. And when Peter went there, led by the Holy Spirit, to preach the gospel, while he was yet speaking, he was interrupted because they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Then in Acts 19, we find Paul meeting certain Christians in Ephesus, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believe? Something must have been missing in their witness, their life for Christ or their, their spiritual bearing. And then he baptized them because they had not even heard of Christian baptism. And then he laid his hands upon them and they too were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? Uh, some people think it's, well, the Holy Spirit is water. And if you fill up a glass and then it goes to overflowing, well, that's good symbolism in a way. But since the Holy Spirit is a person, what does it mean to be filled with a person? Now, we know that all Christians have the Holy Spirit living within them, or they're not Christians. But what does it mean when it says in the book of Acts, and then Peter, full of the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? Then Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, said such and such. If all Christians are always filled with the Holy Spirit, why would those sentences be found in the Scriptures? Secondly... Why would there be a qualification for deacons in the book of Acts that when they were choosing men to wait on tables so the apostles could give themselves to the word and prayer, why was one of the qualifications, choose out men from among yourselves who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom? Well, if all Christians, as some teach, are filled with the Holy Spirit at all times, then why would that be a qualification? That would mean uh, like saying, listen, everyone who's breathing, that's one of the qualifications for this job. Well, of course you're breathing. If you're alive, you're breathing. No, there's a difference between the Holy Spirit living in us and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, to some people, they think this is a controversial doctrine, but I think it's clear from scriptures. First of all, it was a qualification of a deacon. So not, obvious, not everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. But then we read on in the scriptures in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul says to the church, now don't be filled, to the Christians there, don't be filled with wine. We're in as excess. You're going to get influenced by the wine and be carried away, you're going to get into anti-Christian behavior. Bad things are going to happen. No, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, there's an interesting couple things about that sentence. It's not only a command, like a military command, be filled with the Spirit. Go over there, do such a thing. Now, he says, be filled with the Spirit. But it's kind of like in the continuous present tense. So literally, as some translations have it, it has be being filled with the Holy Spirit or keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, if all Christians are always filled with the Holy Spirit, why would Paul have to caution us about wine and then give a command, be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, filled doesn't mean like a glass. What filled means when it comes to the Holy Spirit, means it means be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Not only walk in the Spirit, but be controlled by the Holy Spirit. This is what set men and women apart down through history. They shook cities. 
Their churches blessed multitudes of people while others were barren and didn't bear much fruit. What was different about them? Same Bible, same gospel message, same doctrinal position. What made the difference? Ah, it's the difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit and just kind of eking out a spiritual existence. The final proof for the fact that all Christians and all churches are not spirit-filled churches is this. To the church at Laodicea, Jesus said in uh, Revelation chapter 3, You are neither hot nor cold, but you're lukewarm. And because of that, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Now, if you try to convince me that Laodicea was a spirit-filled church, and yet Jesus says, you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth, then words don't mean anything. No, the scripture is clear as to this fact. There's a difference between being a Christian and being a spirit-filled, controlled by the Holy Spirit, victorious Christian. How about in your own life and my own life? Think of the churches we visited. To every place that we go, can we say, oh, that place is filled with the Holy Spirit. No, in fact, I think certain denominations have, have structured their doctrine to cover up for the lack of fruit, the lack of life, the lack of love, the lack of prayer. So they've gotten these doctrinal positions of just don't even talk about that. That's emotional fanaticism. Everyone's filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't you get involved in that e subjectivism and experience-oriented religion. We go by the Word. But the Word says, the word inspired by the Holy Spirit says, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So I applied to this school. A few weeks later, I got accepted, and I decided to move down to Florida and really start a whole new life down there and focus on my faith and try to get grounded in my Christianity. So my sophomore year is when I really started to feel a tug from God that he was calling me to full-time ministry. And it wasn't that... I heard a voice from above. It wasn't that he came down and wrote it on a wall. It was really just, I felt like there was nothing else I could do with my life than to work for God. And that's what I felt like my purpose was, my passion was. I felt like that's what he was leading me towards. And that's what I ultimately wanted to do. I had the chance to come up here to New York City and I had heard about a church where people stood in lines to get in. Somebody said, yeah, it's this church, it's in Brooklyn, it's called the Brooklyn Tabernacle, you should go and visit sometime. And I remember just sitting in the service and just being overwhelmed with the Spirit of God, just feeling His presence, feeling the passion of the people, and not just within the church, but just what I really felt like God was doing in that community and even in this city of New York. And it was when my senior year rolled around, I was just praying, saying, God, where do you want me to go? Where would you lead me? Where am I supposed to be? And what happened was uh, I all of a sudden just started to feel this urge. And my, my trip to Brooklyn started to come back in my memory. And I just felt like God's Spirit was saying, go to Brooklyn and serve. Go to Brooklyn and serve. You know, amazing things happen when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit. Uh, another part of this study um, that we're doing on the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about demonic possession. And isn't it evident from Scripture that demonic possession, i.e. control by Satan of human beings in one way or another, is a counterfeit of God's original plan for His people. We're not supposed to be just saved and barely going to church on Sunday, which a lot of people think is some kind of achievement. 
No, we're to be on fire for God because we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we're able to do things in a positive way for the kingdom of Christ, empowered as we are by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we see this in the life of Stephen, who we mentioned before. He's chosen to be a deacon. He's waiting on tables, and you would think he'd disappear from the story, but no. Peter, full of the Holy... I'm sorry, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith, begins to do all kinds of miracles and things through the power of the Spirit, and Christ is glorified, and he's so used by God that persecution breaks out against him. And a couple chapters in the book of Acts talk about this deacon named Stephen, never went to seminary, never ordained by anyone, hands never laid on him to be a minister. But when people are filled by the Holy Spirit, all kinds of things can happen that are ordained by God, maybe not by man. And finally, Stephen becomes the first martyr of the Christian church. He was so mightily used by God through the Spirit. Isn't that the great need we have today? No, just think about it. Two of the major denominations in America are in negative growth for the last six years. Not gaining members in America, losing members. This is after 9-11, where you would think people would be more aware of the transitory nature of life itself. But they're in negative growth, losing people, not winning people to Christ. They're losing their church members. Those, both those denominations, I understand, have more empty pulpits now than they've had in the history of their denomination. Ministers biting the dust out of discouragement. Preach, nothing happens. Church fighting and fussing. Personal failure of some kind. Don't you think we need a revival of people being filled with the Holy Spirit? Don't we need something to offset the powers of the world that are encroaching upon us and into our children's lives? On top of that, the statistics are horrible. These statistics come from Christian pollsters who are telling us of rampant pornography uh, among uh, men who go to church every Sunday and profess to be Christians. Is there no answer to this? Do we just have to roll along and feel defeated and see our families broken apart and, and the rest? It, doesn't God have anything as an antidote for it? Well, the problem is, is that hard and fast religious doctrines and denominational uh, traditions fight the Holy Spirit. And, and that brings us to uh, something I believe is happening in our day. William Law in the 1700s. Uh, a great uh, spiritual writer said that when Jesus was sent by the Father, the religious establishment fought him. They fought him. They rejected him, using scripture to reject him. Our Father is Moses. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? You don't feel, uh, fulfill our model of what a Messiah looks like. And thus Jesus was crucified. The whole thing plotted by the religious establishment. And William Law in the 1700s said, the day is coming, and already was in his time, when the religious establishment of Protestantism and Catholicism will fight the one that the Son sent, the Holy Spirit, not in the name of, of another God or in the name of a cult. No, in the name of Bible doctrine, sound doctrine, and their traditions, they will fight any openness to the movement and the power of the Holy Spirit. And when, when we do that, we sow seeds and then we bear some awful fruit. I'm suggesting to 
everyone who's hungry for more of God to study the scriptures and see what has God promised the Holy Spirit will do for the believers. Is this just for a select few? Was it just for folks back living in the first century? There's no verse anywhere in the New Testament that says, oh, all this good power stuff and efficiency by the Spirit of God, that's only for those folks back there. But when you get going there and you have the scriptures together and you're facing pornography and, and the cults and all the stuff that's going on in the world today, Today. tough luck spirit's not going to work for you don't expect anything else but go to church study the bible pray and go home no i reject that i reject that on the authority of god's own word jesus christ is the same yesterday today and for forever and so is the holy spirit he's available for us today if we're willing to humble ourselves and say god come and fill me control my life so that your name might be glorified I didn't tell anybody what I was thinking, what I was praying about. I just prayed. And I just said, God, by your spirit, lead me in what you want me to do. And after about two weeks of praying, I found myself back in the Midwest for a sporting event. And I was there for the whole weekend, and somebody had given me tickets to an uh, NBA basketball game about 15 minutes before tip-off randomly. And my father and I walk into the arena. There's about 20,000 fans there. And I actually happened to sit next to this guy named Richie, who I just met for the first time, and he turned out that he was a Christian. And we started talking, and he started to ask me, so you're graduating from, uh, you're graduating from college, where do you want to go, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'm praying about maybe going to this church up in Brooklyn. I feel like God might be leading me there, um, but I don't know. I don't know anybody there. I don't know what I would do. And uh, he said, oh, well, what's the name of the church? And I said, it's called Brooklyn Tabernacle. And he goes, one of my good friends works at Brooklyn Tabernacle, and he's here tonight. So I really took that as a sign um, from the Lord that that was an open door. That's what he wanted me to do. And that next night, I met that friend who works at Brooklyn Tabernacle. He said, come to New York and give me a call when you get there. And I took that as a sign. So after I met my friend that worked at the church, I decided to go up there to New York and I graduated from school and I packed everything I had in my car and I drove up here to New York City. When I got here, first person I called was Craig at the church and we sat down and we had lunch and he didn't have any job opportunities for me, he didn't have any salary or position or title to give me, but he said, you can volunteer. So. I said, okay, that's what I came here to do, was to serve. I don't have any time frame or expectation. I just felt God's leading, and I just wanted to obey that. One of the first things I did was I was over at the Downtown Learning Center at our adult education ministry, and they have a library over there, and they needed somebody to categorize all the books in the entire library, and that was my responsibility. It was just a project that was never-ending and not the most fun thing, not what I went to school for, not what I felt like God called me up here for. It was just something that was given to me, a seemingly insignificant responsibility. On top of that, I had nowhere to stay. So my family, in the meantime, had moved up to upstate New York when I was down in Florida. So I was commuting from upstate New York down to New York City every single day. And sometimes that commute would be two and a half hours with traffic both ways. And I would drive down in the car and just think to myself, what am I doing? I'm driving two and a half hours 
to go into New York City, not for a job on Wall Street, not for anything prominent, to go and stick stickers on books in the library. You know, I had many moments where I said, God, I have a college degree. I have other opportunities. I could be doing something else. And I really just felt like God's Spirit continued to say, I led you there, stay there, and serve. The thing about being filled with the Holy Spirit is that you can't teach someone to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's an overemphasis today, I think, in the body of Christ, teaching, 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 teaching. Now, teaching has its place. I obviously am trying to teach right now. But I can't teach anyone to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God is not going to relinquish His place in relationship to His people. He's the one who baptizes and fills with the Holy Spirit. He's the one who pours out abundant grace on our lives. That doesn't come from the minister. And that's why the Bible never says, therefore, let us come boldly to the teacher or to the church. No. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. And that's why I suggest to all of you, is why don't we all just say, I'm going to begin by the grace of God, a new seeking after God. Prayer always precedes revival. Prayer always precedes a filling, a new infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's why the church was born in a prayer meeting. Isn't that interesting? Not in a teaching session. The church was born in a prayer meeting. Why? Because when God's people pray, there's a fresh supply of the Spirit of Jesus. That's why Paul asked the church in, in, in Philippi, as you pray for me, there'll be a fresh supply of the Spirit of Jesus. There'll be a new infilling so that He'll control me and help me through all the challenges ahead. Let's not forget now, this cannot be taught. You don't get it by buying a book or watching a DVD series. All we can do is point us to the throne of grace and that we can go there and ask God, God, do as you've said. Do as you've said. You're rich in mercy to everyone who calls upon you. Now do as you said. I'm asking you to be filled and flooded with the Holy Spirit of God. And he will do it for God is faithful. And eventually that volunteering turned into an internship. And that internship turned into a part-time position. And that part-time position turned into a full-time position. And now today, about three and a half years later, I'm one of the pastors at the church. And I must say that in all those moments of trying to figure out what's going on, why am I doing this, um, in some of these things that seem meaningless at the time, it was all founded on me believing that God's Spirit was leading me here to Brooklyn. And that's really what sustained me. If somebody six years ago would have said, listen, I'm going to lead you to a Christian college down to Florida, then up to Brooklyn, and you're going to work at this church, and you're going to be a pastor in this city, I would have said you're crazy. I, I never would have thought of something like that. But to think that God is in the business of doing things that we never would have thought possible. And it's just exciting to know that I'm going where the Spirit of God has been leading me, to know that I'm doing what God wants me to do. Um, there's such a peace and such a purpose that comes along with that, regardless of difficult times, just knowing that I'm doing what His Spirit is leading me to do. You know, in the day we live in, there's such an overemphasis, I think, on teaching. Now, teaching has its place. I'm trying to teach right now, and that's the role of pastors and Bible teachers. 
But when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit, no man can teach anybody to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can talk about its importance. We can uh, study it from the Bible. But we've got to go to the throne of grace. That's why the enemy has fought prayer meetings across America, across all denominations. I ask you, wherever you live, what churches do you know in your area that have a strong prayer emphasis, prayer meetings led by the pastor himself, where we can say to God, all of us, God, come again and fill us again and again and again with your Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we'll never do and accomplish the task you have before us. We want Christ glorified, so we humble ourselves, confess our sins, and pray the prayer of faith, Lord, come and fill your people. And of course he'll do it. Do you think God is going to sit in heaven and say, no, even though I promised that I won't do it, no, God is faithful, and he will do it again and again. Let's ask him afresh today. We're going to respond to God as a been challenged today to be filled with the Spirit, to surrender ourselves to the Lord, to come into the positions where say, God, I need more of you. I need more of you. I won't just read a Bible promise as was quoted just now. In Hebrew chapter 4, verse 14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. And this is a challenge for us, an invitation. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. So today as we end this time here, we're going to just have a time of worship. As we worship the Lord, I encourage us, let's come before the throne of grace. If the Lord is speaking to you, an area in your life, a sin, area in your life that you need to confess to the Lord, just come. Or if God is leading you to do something that you have been withholding, God's invitation is also the same. Say, God, I want to surrender, I want to yield, I want to follow, I want to obey. If today also, as we come before the Lord, you say that, Lord, I'm tired, I'm tired, I need more of you. There's a particular bondage in my life, weakness that I cannot overcome, but I'm not going to give up hope. I need more of you. I need the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. If that's the desire of our hearts, I invite you to pray. You can come, the altar is open, come forward and say, Lord, I need more of you. If that's the desire of our heart, so more of the Holy Spirit to break, to break any chain, to break, break any witnesses, I invite you to come. And if you want more of the Holy Spirit to empower you, I invite you to come also. If you want to yield yourself to overcome a particular weakness, a particular sin, I invite you to come. You more of the Holy Spirit. The altar is open. Let us rise together. Let's just all just all pray where you are invite you to pray and then we will have a time of worship and as we worship invite you also to come to the altar or where you are just to ask more of the Holy Spirit yes come let us pray together eager swing formula 
just all of us as we are just come before the throne of God asking God to fill us
voices to the Lord and say, God, may there be more of you in our church, more of you in our lives, more of you. Come and empower us. Come and Holy Spirit, come to consume us. Fill us with your passion. Fill us. Let's yield to the Lord. If the Lord is speaking to you right now, it's a time to yield to Him. Let us all lift our voices, lift our hands to the Lord and say, God, we want more of you. consuming fire Lord, have your way. 
Church, Lord, I pray that God we will not be satisfied with our status quo. Because Lord, Holy Spirit, there's so much about you that we do not know. There's so much you want to do in our lives, in our church. There's so much of you. And I pray that Lord, we will be yielding to you. You are there to take a step of obedience. You are there to take a step of faith to follow you, to yield to you. Sometimes it might look silly. Sometimes I look illogical. But yet God, when you lead, I pray that we will surrender. We will follow, Lord. Lord, I pray for some of us here today. There might be bondages, areas in our lives that we are really struggling, Lord. We want to see a breakthrough. I pray for hope to arise. That, Lord, we will not give up hope in trusting you. We will not give up hope in, in believing you. That, God, there's so much more of you. You can, you can give us victory. You can give us power. Therefore, Father, let your power flow today. Let your power flow that God we can yield to you that we can see much of you have a free reign Father in our lives and a free reign that today and tomorrow when we go to work Father we will 
who exuberates your passions, your power, and your glory. We thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' most precious name. Amen, amen, amen. We feel like praying. and encourage us to continue to stay around to prayer. If you need to leave, feel free to leave.
fill us, control us, so we know, so we know how to live. Keep us clean, Lord. Keep us pure, so the Holy Spirit can dwell in us powerfully.
God is a God of hope. He makes us whole. You give me hope. You make me whole. Holy. 